Frankie, come. Come on. Frankie, come. Good boy. Good boy. Sit. Good boy. Down. Down. Good boy. And stay. Stay. Good boy. How about you? Can you sit down and stay for the next half hour? This is Spotlight on Assistance Dogs. Hello there, and welcome to the September 2021 edition of Spotlight on Assistance Dogs. I'm Devon from Canada. We have some commemorating and some celebrating to do this month. So let's get right to it. First of all, we're going to pause for a moment to commemorate the horrific events that took place on September 11th, 2001. And then we're going to celebrate the 90th anniversary of Guide Dogs for the Blind in the United Kingdom by chatting with our very own Ivy Temple, who is from England, and she'll tell us all about guide dog handling in that country. One of the heroes of the 2001 events on September 11th was a guide dog named Roselle who assisted not only her handler, Michael Hinkson, but many others out of the World Trade Center because they were able to follow her in the blinding, choking smoke. So here is a song by a gentleman named Michael Gaither, simply called Roselle. On that 9-11 morning When the planes came down He was sitting at a desk Eighty stories from the ground We saw it on the TV No, he didn't see a thing When it hit he reached for her, she looked up to him. Roselle the guide dog, she was sleeping on the floor. When she stood up, I knew it was time to hit the door. Roselle didn't panic or hesitate at all. She just took his hand. Let him down the hall You know we all need Our own Roselle sometimes We all need our own Roselle sometimes A friend who'll lead you From the dark into the light We all need our own Roselle sometimes 
They went down a stairwell through smoke and broken glass. She kissed the fireman as they ran quickly past. And when he felt the other tower fall, he prayed they'd be all right. Then, by the grace of a dog, they walked outside. In the wreckage, he wondered where to go. Then this yellow lab walked into a cab that took them both back home. Now I've heard angels walk among us, and I'd say it's true, cause I know one who walks on four legs and wags a tail when she looks at you. We all need our own Rizal sometimes. We all need our own Rizal sometimes. A friend who leads you from the dark into the light. Yeah, we all need our own Rizal sometimes. We all need our own Rizelle sometimes. Good girl, Rizelle. Our guest this month is Ivy Temple, who is, uh, you might recognize her because of uh, the show she co-hosts here on the Global Voice called All Sorts uh, every uh, Tuesday. And um, she has been in a few of the promos that we play here on the station. Hi there, Ivy. How are you? Welcome. I'm to very the well, Devin. How are Good. you, love? I'm doing well, thank you. Welcome <laughs> to the program. Thank you. Thank you for asking me. So what we wanted to talk about, and I'm so glad that this is starting to happen because uh, uh, I want Spotlight to be... Uh, as global as the global voice is. Yes. And, uh, yeah. So it's, it's great to have uh, you on with us from the United Kingdom to uh, talk about um, guide dog training and uh, the availability over there in the United Kingdom. Mm-hmm. When I think of, of uh, guide dogs for the blind, I often think of it as starting uh, being established shortly after the CNI was back in 1929. Am I anywhere near close? Well, 1931, actually, the first guide dog. The first guide dogs were trained in Wallasey, which is on the Merseyside in Liverpool, Liverpool, but it's it's on the other side of the River Mersey. Okay. And they trained four dogs... (laughs) 
but they made the mistake of not servicing them. So, of course, the dogs became pregnant. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> and so that is why they've started um, castrating and, and spaying the dogs now, the puppies, when they're puppies, when they're puppy walked. Yeah, that's a good thing because uh, there are quite enough distractions without having uh, um, a possible um, willingness to breed. That <laughs> uh, is becoming, exactly right. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> the male dogs following more around the base. Yes, that's right. Um, with females yeah. leaving their calling cards all over the place. <laughs> yeah, right. so a good decision. Yeah, we do that here in Canada too. We uh, we uh, have them spayed and neutered uh, uh, at uh, some point during their reasonably early puppyhood. Yeah, I think they're allowed one season. Ah, okay. Yeah, I think what they try to do is decide whether they're going to be guide dogs or brood bitches. You know, or brood yeah. or or. King of the king of the castle, as the male dogs think they are. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> they think that whether they've been uh, castrated or not, neutered they or certainly, not, <laughs> they certainly do. You're so right. <laughs> yeah. You're so right. <laughs> so, uh, from that one um, guide dog training center, um, how many do you now uh, does guide dogs uh, for the blind? now have as far as training centers go? Well, we really, we don't use schools as we used to. And, oh. and I think I think there's a lot for them. No, what they tend to use is hotels. Ah. And they take their classes to hotels near, you know, as near to their homes as they can. Um, I had that experience once with a dog called Maria. But it, it was a failure because... Maria was never meant to be a guide dog. Oh, dear. Oh, she was quite definite about that. Uh-huh. If you gave her a challenge, she would be fine. But if it's the boring stuff, she said, no, I don't want to. Oh, really? Yeah, yes. one of those dogs, yes. Yeah. But um, the first dog I had, I did go to uh, Wokingham, which was then a training, center, a training school. Uh-huh. And... Uh, there was an office there, and there were there was uh, four of us in my class. In my particular class, that that time, and uh, it it had advantages. I think it's got advantages if you've got children, and you you've got if you've got to look after children as well. I think it's better if you can go away and train with your dog, so you can concentrate simply on. Uh, learning your dog, you know. Yes. So I, I think that does have effect. So when I first had a guide dog, and the reason I didn't have one before was because I worked in a hospital and I, I used a cane. <clears throat> and in fact, it was when I retired that my husband said to me, I'll meet you. I said to him, I'll meet you at the church then, because he was going down the church to do the music for a show we were doing. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, I could come and meet you. So he said, you'd be better if you had a guide dog. Interesting. So I, yeah, so I said, really? So he said, yes, why not? So I wrote, I rung and applied, and of course that was in 1993, and I finally got one in 1995. Oh, boy, that was quite... They had to test me and find out 
what my ability was, whether I could hear where the traffic was. And and what you do, the trainer walks, comes with a harness, and she holds one end of the harness, and you hold the, the handle end, and she sort of says, right, where's the traffic? And you have to tell her where the traffic is. It's behind me, right, okay. And she turns you around, you know, so that you don't know, you know, you uh, get to know whether your, your sense of direction is good, I suppose it is. Yes. And then she says, I'm sniffing, and I'm supposed to say, stop it, you know, like yes. we used to. <laughs> I remember those days, yeah. yes. <laughs> Did you have schools like that as well? Um, y- yes. Um, we do some domiciliary training here, but we we still have schools, I think five here in Canada. How many dogs have you had? Uh, Lana is my fourth one. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, Frankie. I had Charm first. Then I had Maria, who was a no mark. <laughs> she, uh-huh. she, was, she was retired. They uh-huh. said no. Yeah. And then I had Jody, who was a lovely dog. I worked with her till she was uh, 10, nearly 10. Really? Yeah. And then, and then I had um, uh, Lionel, which I have now. And I've had him since 2016. Ah, oh, very nice. So, 2016. That's right, 2016. Yep, that's right. right. Yeah. <coughs> so, so, five years. Yes, that's right. Yes. yes. Yeah. He's nine now, of course. Is think. he? Yeah. When was it that Guide Dogs for the Blind decided that it would be better to use, to train out of hotels than to train out of, uh, of a school? Well, the schools closed, and we quite never knew why. You know, they just did, and they decided to use hotels. I mean, I was, I think I was in Wokingham in 1995, as I said. I trained then. And then the next uh, dog I had, which is Maria, I went to a hotel then. So, really, they closed soon after Wokingham. And Wokingham, uh, apparently, where I trained, was, is now, it doesn't exist anymore. And I did like it there, too. Uh-huh. It was good. And, you know, you, it's good because you're, you're, you're working with people who are like yourself, training like yourself, you know. And especially when you're a first-timer, you know, if you've got somebody who's had a dog, you know, it's always easier to talk to them, isn't it? Oh, yes, it is. Yeah. I think so, yes. I think so, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, before all of the schools closed, how many uh, uh, training centers did they have in operation? Uh, there was Wokingham, and there was Leamington, and there was uh, Raybridge, that's three, and Bolton. There's one in Bolton, okay. in, which is the north of England. Okay. So I, I reckon there was four. Okay. And did they have... Uh, training centres elsewhere, like uh, Scotland and Northern Ireland and Wales? and uh, Yeah, they do, but I don't know much about them. Okay. I known, yeah, I don't know much about the Scottish. I know they do, they do have a training centre, I think, and I'm not sure if they still do. Okay. Um, because the Guide Dogs for the Blind Association, I suppose they organise all that, but I would think 
that they train in Scotland, you know, and, or in Wales, wherever. Yes. Um, uh, so do they have uh, field representatives all over the place? Uh, what well, field representatives? What, yes. what do you mean by that, love? Um, well, if if you want to talk to somebody about an issue with your uh, dog and that sort of thing, do, do they have um, people located in, in various areas or does someone come to you from the central office? Well, you can ring the central office first or you can ring, the, you can ring your, your team. Your, my, my team's the London team. Okay. But now, they've now got it that you just ring a centre and they'll put you through to somebody. Uh, like, I, I rung up, for example, just now, and I said to the girl, um, uh, I want to talk about Lionel, he's just been to the vet. And she, she looked up his notes, obviously, got, she, they've got it on computer. And then she said, oh, yes, what, what do you have to say? So I, said she, so I told her about him, his weight and everything, and she said, well, I'll tell Jill Duggan. Now, Jill Duggan is the welfare officer for the London team. And she oh. said she's on holiday at the moment, so I will tell her when, she, when she, she, she'll get an email and I'll tell her all you've told me. Okay. So, and we take them to the vet ourselves to have them vaccinated. Uh, yes. Once, maybe twice a year. But, yes, we do have people we can talk to. In fact, when I had COVID, I rung my trainer and... I, I was crying because I was upset because Lionel had diarrhoea. And I think it was honestly, I don't know if you sense as I do, but they know when you're not well. Yes, and oh yes. My trainer said to me, Ivy, don't worry. He said, I think the reason why he had diarrhoea, he may have tried to waken you and you may have been fast asleep, too deeply asleep for him to yes. waken. Usually he comes from my bed and pants or... Let's me know that he's, he wants something. Right. And I just say, do you want the run, love? And, and get up with him, you know. Yes. But um, then um, my friend Claire, who now cleans for me, she cleared it all up for me. And, uh, and Dan, my trainer, said to me, Ivy, I think while you have, um, you've got COVID, if that's what you had, because they hadn't got any testing facilities when I had it. Of course. Ah. <laughs> um, so he said, uh, I think you should um, let your dog go to somebody for a month. So Sean, who is, I, I knew her by acquaintance to say hello to, you know, and everything. But she yeah. came around and she said she would take the dog. And I said, only if you do as exactly as I tell you, you keep the dog up to his training. He's not allowed on the bed. He's not allowed on the furniture. And he must be fed like I tell you to do it. And, you know, and she did. In fairness Good. to her, she did. She treated uh, Lionel just as I wanted. And the great thing was I could go out in the garden if I wanted to go the sunshine. And I could hear Sean sometimes say, Lionel, look who's over there, you know. <laughs> and, and I could say, I don't know, you know. It was, yeah. it, was, it was really very nice. So she had him for a month. She had him for a month. Oh, that's nice. Now, uh, it seems that um, the, the way you're talking about the way that uh, Guide Dogs for the Blind is kind of organized now that 
you're all over the place and and uh, don't have a lot of contact with other uh, guide dog users. Does Guide Dogs for the Blind publish a, a newsletter to kind of keep everybody up to date with what's happening? Yes, they publish a magazine called Forward, and they also have a, a, a supplement in Forward that tells you who's had dogs, who's lost dogs, you know, obituaries, oh, yes. they call it, yeah, that sort of thing. Ah, okay. Um, and uh, how often does that come out? Quarterly. Oh, yes. Yeah. And in what format? Uh, email? You can get in Braille, forward. You can get in Braille, email, print, wherever you want it, whichever. Do you know or do you have some idea of how many guide dog users you have there in the United Kingdom? Do you know? I don't know now since the COVID. Uh-huh. Because I, I, really, I know there are lots of people waiting for guide dogs. Oh, yes. A lot of people are waiting for them. Um, so I'm not quite sure, but what I could do, I could ring up and ask them, and then I could, I could tell you. Yeah. I could okay. email it to you. Yeah. All right. Yeah. That, sounds, that sounds good. How many users? Uh, yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because yeah. since COVID, a lot happened, you know, we couldn't. They couldn't come out for aftercare. They couldn't come out to work with trainers. Oh, it was awful, really. Oh, dear, that's too bad. Yes. Terrible. Yeah. It was bad here, too. Um, I know there's one school that's at least a year behind. Yes. In, well, uh, yeah. Ours are. They really are. Yes. Yeah, mm. it really caused quite a problem. It did. Okay, uh, is there anything else that you would, uh, that you uh, think maybe separates uh, training in the UK from other places uh, around the world or anything else that you'd like to touch on? Well, your training is much the same as mine, isn't it? You know, we, they take you out. And if, if you're at a hotel, you take it in turns to go out with your trainer, you know, with the dog. That's um, right. Yeah, we do that, and and we also do night walks for people who've got some vision, who probably yeah. can't see. They've got night blindness. Yes, um, we do train. They do train uh, people like that, so that yeah. they can. Um, yeah, we do. Uh, uh, our school does a one night walk per training session. If at least one one night walk. Yes, ours would do as well. Well, yes. certainly when they trained, they did. When when we were in classes, they did. And yeah. they also used to take us in a bus, and then they used to take each person out and tell them what to do, you know. And then they could, you know, keep their eye on the one person. You know, they they take one person out, then they take the next person out, you know. Yes. And that kind of thing. Yeah. So they could take us somewhere in the bus. And, of course, we get used to, our dogs have to learn how to use them the buses, and the tubes. I was going to say, I have one more question, um, which may seem a little silly to you, but I've been asked a couple of times, and uh, it has to do with the fact that in uh, the United Kingdom, uh, your cars 
travel on the other side of the road to uh, where they do here in yeah. in in North America. I'm going to say North yeah. America because mm-hmm. it's not just Canada. Yeah. Does that have any effect on how you are trained with a guide dog? No, not in as much, not in that way. Uh, <clears throat> we are taught to, of course, to listen to the traffic, and and one thing they do tell us to do is is um, if there's a car stops and their engine's running, don't cross the road. Ask for assistance because you don't know if that car's going to move. I heard Frank. Was that Frank? No, that was my lady that's uh, doing <laughs> uh, cleaning. She was sneezing. Oh, bless her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and um, and they do uh, and they do tell us to and I'll tell you one thing uh, Charm did when I had Charm we no Jody was we went across the road and Jody suddenly stopped now I know when Jody stopped there's something wrong so I stopped and then and you've probably got it as well Devon you've probably got echolocation like I have yes you can hear when things. In fact, I thought when I was a child it was sight. <laughs> oh yes, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. and I I sense this thing come past me. So when we got to the next side of the the other side of the road, I said, "Well done, Jody." You know, because she she saved me. I didn't hear the car because it was an electric one. Ah, uh, yes. You see, and I, I so I didn't hear it because of that, and and. I was just. I said, "Well done, Jody. Good girl." Because they're trained to stop. I yes. mean, one one of our adverts say on television, uh, uh, and and he stopped and he turned me round. They don't. They never ever turn you round in the middle of a road. No. They will stop, and you you must wait. You must stand with them. Yes. Because they the, know, don't they? Yeah. That's right. They're the one with the sight. Yeah, and also as Denise who was my first trainer, says, they, they, uh, they're aware for themselves. They don't want to get run over either. No, they don't, no. So that's why they stop. Yeah, they sure. Do. All right, well, thank you, Ivy, for chatting with us and giving us a, a peek into uh, what happens there in the United Kingdom. And uh, I appreciate you coming on the program. I'd like, to, I'd like to thank you very much for your interest, and thank you for having me on, Devon. Good to have you. Would you like to be the next person to chat with me about your guide dog and how the training is handled in, in your country? I'd love to do that. You know, I really would like to hear uh, from people around the world not only with guide dogs, but service dogs as well. And so if you'd like to get hold of me and uh, be the next person to chat with me, just send an email to spotlight at theglobalvoice.info. That's spotlight at theglobalvoice.info. Thanks so much for being with me this month. Have a terrific month. And we will see you again on October 15th. It's going to be a little 
early this month, about as early as it can be, I guess. So we'll see you on October 15th. Thanks so much for listening. Bye for now.